Bear and Bears fans, it's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you here. And we have hit the month of April. And what does that mean? That means we've got draft coming up, free agency, basically in the rearview mirror as the 2020 Chicago Bears team starts. We start get a clearer picture of exactly what this team is going to look like. Going to have a guest today, gonna be joined by Windy City Gridiron's own Eric Derwalker. He's a great guest, he's gonna get into a lot of stuff. We're gonna talk Foles, we're gonna talk Robert Quinn, some free agency, we'll start looking at the draft a little bit. We've got plenty to do with him. So he's gonna come aboard here in just a couple minutes, but before I bring Eric aboard, I want to talk a little bit about the Nick Foles contract and Nick Foles as a member of the Chicago Bears. As I discussed this last time, if you all remember, I was quite upset about the Chicago Bears giving up a fourth round pick for Nick Foles based on the idea of how the Jaguars were pinned under that contract. Now that the details on this contract have come out, this is a very unique structure that Ryan Pace and his front office have come up with here for the Chicago Bears and for Nick Foles, and it's a lot more palatable for the Chicago Bears. So you still got Foles basically agreed to keep all his guaranteed money that he was still owed after this trade, the 2021 million. The Bears are going to give him all of that, but the cap hit and the total amount of money is greatly reduced. And it's only $8 million per season that he is going to be owed on his base salary, a very unique incentive structure that based on the incentives he gets the year for, for the current year, actually add to his salary for the, the next year. So it's, it's, it's a very unique structure, and it's one that gives the Bears a little flexibility. If Foles doesn't perform well and ends up just being their backup quarterback, then he's a, a pricey backup quarterback, but he's still the price of what you need to pay a quality backup quarterback. If he starts for this team, then his contract will accelerate higher into more of what we see lower end starting quarterbacks getting, but it's still going to be a pretty low deal. So if you kind of read between the lines here, to me what this looks like, I know a lot of people are going to look at this and say that the Chicago Bears are setting this up so Mitch Trubisky can succeed and therefore Foles can be the backup quarterback. And if he fails, then they're going to pay Foles more. I, I don't think that's so much the case. I'm still a firm believer in the fact that Mitch Trubisky will not be starting on this team. I said, I think it's 50-50 that he's on the roster. He probably will be at this point because the Bears, I don't see Ryan Pace dumping him for a seventh round pick or a conditional pick. I see Ryan Pace wanting to get something of value in return for him, like a fourth round pick third round pick, something like that. And I just don't think with only one year of control based on what we've seen from Mitch Trubisky, that he can get that significant of a return for Trubisky. I just don't see that being enough because, you know, Pace is going to want something to justify trading him. He's not going to just dump him for a seventh round pick and say, we wanted him off the roster. He's going to want to get something. Not, not a ton. He understands he can't get a first, second round pick. I don't think he can get a third round pick. I don't even know if he can get a fourth round pick. But I, I would think fourth round pick is about where, where Pace sets the limit that if he can't get that for Trubisky, he's not going to trade Mitch Trubisky. He'd rather just keep him as a starter and keep the lottery ticket there that if Trubisky does actually put this all together, that they, he will have him on the roster and he can commit to him. I don't expect this team to pick up his option here in about a month. I do expect that to be declined. But to me, the bottom line is on this whole quarterback controversy competition, whatever you want to call it, you don't guarantee $21 million 
to your backup quarterback. That's just not what you do. They are clearly looking at Nick Foles as this team's starting quarterback. They're not going to fully commit to him. If Trubisky's on the roster come training camp, sure, they'll have a competition in hopes that Mitch figured it out. We heard Nagy talking about in the offseason how he told Mitch, Mitch needs to be obsessed. Mitch needs to be a total tape junkie looking at himself, looking at teams, looking at defenses, looking at his offense, trying to figure out exactly what Trubisky needs to do to get better. So Nagy, as little as the Bears told us this offseason, Nagy still was saying he needed Trubisky to be obsessed in the in the film room himself, not with the coaches, just by himself. He needed to see that so he could see who Mitch Trubisky could be as a quarterback. So they're going to hold out a little hope that Mitch Trubisky can put this thing together. But to me, Mitch Trubisky is not going to put this together on the Bears roster. If he does, it's going to be his second or third team from now, 30, 31 years of age, a la Alex Smith, a la Rich Gannon, where he it all just clicks for him eventually. He, you know, the the game slows down for him finally, where he can process it and figure it out. I just don't see it happening in a Bears uniform. I think he's either taken his last snap for the Bears or he, you know, he's going to be on the roster this year and that'll be it. So look, Ryan Pace made some decisions here in the in, in free agency that kind of show he's willing to admit that he can make a mistake. We've always said, is Ryan Pace really willing to admit his mistakes? It looks like now he's at a point where he is able to do that, and that's going to be big for the Bears moving forward because you cannot have a GM so stubborn that he thinks all his picks are gold. So a much more positive outlook here on the Nick Foles contract. You know, the Bears really did some some stuff here with 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 their with their salaries this year. A really unique way to get Quinn on board, to get Foles on board. They still have some things they need to do. We're going to talk about them all with Eric Derwachter next on Windy City Gridiron. So a quick break. We'll be right back. Stick around, everybody. This is Bears Banter. Here he is, as promised, a key contributor to Windy City Gridiron. He is Eric Derwachter. Great guest. We got a lot to get into with Eric. And he joins us now. Eric, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? I'm doing well, Bill. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, I'm, I'm glad we could make this work. And, and we've got a lot to discuss. So let's jump right in to Nick Foles. Let's first start on Nick Foles on the field. The contract's interesting. We'll get to that in a second. But Nick Foles, when, when the news came down a couple weeks ago that Nick Foles, the trade was happening, fourth round pick, what was your immediate reaction? My immediate reaction was... Before the contract details became official, I think the Bears paid way too much. This felt like a situation where Ryan Pace kind of panicked a little bit to go and grab a veteran quarterback to compete with Trubisky because what we saw on the field in Jacksonville last year was not the same Nick Foles that we would be accustomed to seeing in Philadelphia. Um, a couple of key statistics here. So in Nick Foles' overall record as a starting quarterback, in Philadelphia he is 21-11 and as a starting quarterback. Outside of Philadelphia, he is a whopping 5-11 and 11 as a starting quarterback. Oof. So that's, that's a little bit concerning. But the good news is the teams that ran this type of offense that Matt Nagy is still going to run next year, including Philadelphia and Kansas City, it would be really 22-11. and 11. He was 1-0 and 0 as a starting quarterback for Kansas City in his one game. And then, of course, the 21-11 mark, in Philadelphia with 2017 and 2018 being under the current coaching staff. 
he's a quarterback that will give you kind of a boring in terms of <laughs> athleticism. He doesn't have much athleticism, but he's very smart. He understands how to read defenses, make key reads, especially in RPOs. He understands when to take what the defense gives him. And he throws a really beautiful deep ball. I mean, that's probably the best attribute for Nick Foles. He just he knows when to launch it. He knows when to go deep. And normally when he goes deep, it's a pretty big play. So that was my instant reaction. I felt they kind of overpaid for him at first. But I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about his contract details and why it's not such a bad deal anymore. And plus, he is kind of the perfect quarterback to pit against Trubisky because, again, where Trubisky's more athletic, Nick Foles is a better decision-maker. And in this Matt Nagy offense, they need a better decision-maker on the field. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I agree with ev- everything you said there. My first reaction, I was pissed. And not so much that I think Foles is terrible, but I sat there and went, this Jacksonville is under a mountain of a contract. They're, they're, they're stuck under this thing. They're moving on from Foles. And to give up a fourth-round pick where I thought they almost needed a pickup grade, like, you know, give us a fifth and we'll give you a seventh kind of thing with, with Nick Foles. I, I thought that's where it was. Now, once we see the contract, and like I said, we'll, like you said, we'll get to that in a second, it was a lot more palatable. But in, in terms of getting on the field, I agree. He's a smart guy. He's got a good pocket presence, but he's not going to take off and run on third and four and get you that first down, really. He's going to have to complete the passes. And, you know, he, he is a little dull to watch. But like you said, he's an intelligent guy. And for whatever the reason, he can run this Andy Reid-style offense. He looked good in Kansas City. He looked good in Philadelphia. Hopefully he looks good in Chicago. When he goes anywhere else, he's a mess. So hopefully that's the key here on this is that he can he can run this offense efficiently the way Matt Nagy sees it and wants it to be run because I don't think we've really seen the offense Matt Nagy wants to run because I do think he's catered it a little bit to Trubisky and Trubisky's you know, being green around the edges. So – We've seen a lot here on Twitter and in discussions about this quarterback competition. And we've seen people, you know, we, we know the Bears say it's an open competition, but you can't really believe anything the Bears have said because they said Trubisky's our guy, Trubisky's our guy, Trubisky's our guy. It's an open competition. So we know what the Bears say publicly isn't what they're thinking privately. Do you think this is a true 50-50 open competition? Do you think it is one right now that's slanted towards Trubisky and them hoping he can start a la Mariota against Tannehill? Or do you think it's more this is Foles' team already? So I'm probably one of the few people that's still in the fan base who believe Trubisky has a shot to keep the starting job, but those chances are very slim. So to answer your question right away, it's a 50-50 shot. Anything can happen. It's going to come down to who does better early in training camp because – the way they've conveyed this whole presentation of Nick Foles, um, I mean, they gave him his own press conference. They gave him his own opportunities to meet with the media, like a starting quarterback. The only other quarterback that ever got this much glamour, this much press as a backup was Vince Young back in 2011 when he signed the Eagles. Nobody was questioning who the Eagles starter was then. That was Mike Vick and only Mike Vick. Here in Chicago, Nick Foles has a legitimate chance of being the starting quarterback. When they brought Nick Foles in, I think I said this repeatedly on Twitter, he's not a guy I want to hand the job off right away. I want to see how he does in Matt Nagy's interpretation of Andy Reid's offense because, to be fair, it's not the exact same offense he did 
with sure. the Philadelphia Eagles. There are some subtle differences and there's some major differences in a philosophical standpoint, terminology standpoint, et cetera. But I want to see how both quarterbacks do because I have not seen Nick Foles in a legitimate competition. I have not seen Trubisky in a legitimate competition. This would be a first for both of their respective careers. And I kind of really want to see just who does better in the competitive environment. So for me, it's a 50-50 shot, but if Trubisky screws up early in training camp, if he just looks awful from the get-go, I won't be surprised if they just pull the plug and say, you know what, Nick Foles, you're in, you're the guy, let's see what you can do. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely in that camp. I, I, do think, I do think right now that the team is expecting Foles, you know, assuming we've got an open competition here once training camp starts, whenever that is with this virus, who knows? But, you know, I always, for these podcasts, I just assume that the te- everything's starting on time. No OTAs, uh, but everything else is going to start on time here because, you know, you can't predict anything. But to me, I think Matt Nagy's already kind of looking at this, uh, uh, this is going to be Nick Foles' team. But I think Nagy, even if he's been frustrated with Trubisky and, and Ryan Pace, obviously, see that Trubisky succeeding is the best thing for this team. Even if you are a Trubisky doubter, and I have a lot of doubts of Mitch Trubisky, I lost any faith I had in him last season. Trubisky Trubisky figuring it out and becoming a quality quarterback is the best thing for the Bears franchise, as slim as that may be. Exactly. The the thing is, I really feel his entire presentation of Nick Foles has been kind of a giant – last warning from the Bears management, so Ryan Pace and all of his staff members, plus Coach Matt Nagy and his respective assistants, they're all telling they're all telling Mitchell Trubisky, this is your last chance. We have held your hand the past two years, well, exactly, last two years with Matt Nagy being the head coach. They've been pretty easy on Trubisky. They never thought about having competition until this year. Now it's put up or shut up for Trubisky. If he wants to keep his job, he needs to prove it in camp. And like you mentioned, Matt Nagy may have already made the decision. I think Nick Foles just might win the job, but I want to see it play out on the field because who knows what will happen. I mean, let's be fair here. Nick Foles, he did get handed the starting job for Jacksonville last year only to get beat up by Minshew Mania. Yeah, six-round pick, yeah. Exactly, six-round pick, which forced him to sit on the bench. Now, the broken clavicle was not his fault. That's an injury. Stuff happens. But when he was on the field, Nick Foles went 0-4 for what people thought was a loaded Jacksonville Jaguars team. So, I really think this is kind of like their message of, Trubisky, if you really want to keep your job, this is your last warning. If you continue to mess up, if you don't grow in the system like we expect you to – if you don't play like the second overall pick, we envision you back in 2017 of becoming, then someone else is going to be the starting quarterback, and it's just the business of football. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I would agree with that. They've, they've definitely put his feet to the fire and say this, this is it. I don't think they're going to pick up the fifth-year option. To be honest, there's not that much of a difference anyway. It's $24 million versus if, they, if he somehow puts it all together and franchise him, it's $27 million. So there's, there's really not a reason to even risk Putting that, putting that up right now, I think they're just going to put it all on the table and say, you know, this is it, Mitch. Figure it out or, or see you later. This is it. So 
Now, you had the same concerns I did about this Foles contract and exactly how much was coming over and giving up a fourth-round pick for, for, for this seemed, seemed like a lot. Now that we've seen a very unique restructure, the way this is set up here, and you know the, the 20, 20 plus million guaranteed is still there, but not much else other than incentive-based, uh, you know, an incentive-based contract. You know, where are you at now with how the Bears are going to be paying Nick Foles this year and potentially 2021 and 2022? It was actually a much smarter contract than we all thought, because, and this is leading to the reason why I believe this is a fair 50-50 open competition for the quarterback job, because when they first brought Nick Foles in, he was still owed $15 million for the year of 2020 alone. And then a grand total of $58 million for the rest of his contract. So when the details, which I want to give a big shout out to Brad at over the cap for his fantastic work as always, his cap hit for Nick Foles, that is, it was reduced from like over $15 million in 2020 to just over about 6 million, which is your higher end backup pay for a quarterback, the NFL, and this legitimately gives you a reason to believe the Bears, they can see the scenario of Trubisky winning the job and then Nick Foles just sits on the bench and becomes a quality backup. Or if Nick Foles wins the job, he goes out on the field, takes the Bears to the playoffs, and he does a good job overall, they have an answer quarterback for two to three years. And the contract's very team-friendly. If they feel the need to get out of it, they can get out of it pretty quickly. So the contract itself makes me feel a lot better about the Nick Foles trade. Again, I didn't want to see a fourth round pick, especially their prize compensatory pick for the first time since 2000 and I believe seven or eight was the last time I had a compensatory yeah, it's pick. It's been ages. It's been ages for actually for the last 11 years to be exact. And they just throw it away at Nick Foles, which yeah, that pissed me off too. I'm like, <laughs> what's the point? So the contract's a lot easier to stomach now and it gives it gives the Bears a little bit of a little bit of room in the case that Nick Foles does not win the job. It, oh, you're six million dollars. You're a backup quarterback. Okay, you're upgrade over Chase Daniel, anyways. So here you go. Yeah, and I I think the way Foles agreed to restructure this contract was key for him becoming the guy. I mean, we heard a lot about Andy Dalton. We saw some rumblings about Derek Carr. The Teddy Bridgewater thing popped out. All all these things. And I don't know where Foles was on their their list, where his ranking was and, and where he was. You know, was he the number one choice? Was he the number four choice? We, I have no idea. But I do know, you know, when it, when it kind of came down and, and Teddy was going to Carolina and it kind of just like basically looked like it was Foles and Dalton, there's no way that Andy Dalton would have agreed to this type of contract. So the fact that Nick Foles agreed to do it, one, shows you how hungry he was to get in a situation where he thought he could succeed and two, it shows just how, honestly, I'll, I'll say brilliant this contract is for the Bears because, you know, like I said, Andy Dalton was going to make a massive cap hit here. If you have someone like Andy Dalton with that kind of money and knowing how where the Bears are right now in the salary cap situation, maybe you can't get Robert Quinn. Maybe you can't do some of the things that else the Bears did and may, may continue to do. Who knows? Here They still got a couple months. So the contract was huge and shows exactly how much Foles wanted to be here and how much the, the Bears could get him here with that contract because they just there was no other quarterback that could succeed like Foles potentially can that was going to take that kind of money. Exactly. And 
it really surprised me that Nick Foles is willing to take such a big, you know, big deep cut in his pay to get out of Jacksonville. But as he said himself, he's just he's really eager to get the opportunity for a fresh start in a system he's familiar with, with coaches he knows. I mean, he knows virtually everybody on the offensive staff, from Matt Nagy to Bill Lazor to John DeFilippo, the quarterback's coach. Don't even forget about um, Juan Castillo, the offensive line coach as sure. well. He has so much familiarity with that coaching staff. He understands the plays, the type of attitude Matt Nagy has as a coach, and a really good story about how Matt Nagy actually picked up Nick Foles while he was in Kansas City when Nick Foles thought about retiring with the Kansas City Chiefs, and Matt Nagy was there to pick him up. It was a great story, I believe it was, actually on Chicago Bears' own website. And it talked about how Matt Nagy revived Nick Foles' passion for the game which ultimately helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl because he went to Philadelphia with a new attitude, and then Carson Wentz went down. Then we see, of course, the Super Bowl MVP happen. So it says a lot about Nick Foles, what he's willing to do as personal sacrifices go to get another chance at a fresh start. And also it kind of goes to show just how far the Bears are willing to go to try and address this quarterback situation because just like you – the moment that offseason press conference happened and Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy both said, Trubisky's the unquestioned starter. Well, funny story, Trubisky was the only quarterback on the exactly, start. Exactly, exactly. He was a depth chart of one player. So for them to go and say, well, he's the only quarterback on the roster, but he's not the starter, I mean, that would have been probably the most indicting moment in Trubisky's career. And it would just been a major indictment on Ryan Pace's part, too, because he would have to say, well, we have a guy on the roster. He's not good enough to be the starting quarterback. So now you're seeing the Bears' real motives for 2020. I mean, let's not get ourselves. This is make or break. I mean, Ryan Pace's job is on the line. Matt Nagy's job is on the line. If they don't succeed this year, if Nick Foles plays his butt off and gets him to the playoffs, great. If Nick Foles wins the job but then turns to a giant dumpster fire, or the Bears in general are a dumpster fire in 2020, I don't see anybody surviving. So. Yeah, if, if they're a dumpster fire this year, I completely agree. It's, it's going to be, a, be a, a major problem and an overhaul, and, you know, hopefully the Bears don't have to go down that road. But, you know, I agree a, a lot with that. You know, Foles is a really smart quarterback. Nagy loves smart quarterbacks, so that, you know, there's potential for a really good fit there. And, and I, I did a lot of yelling and screaming about what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were and weren't saying this offseason. Mm-hmm. And, and to me – the fact that everyone was buying into this Mitch Trubisky's our guy, and then they said, oh, are you going to pick up the fifth-year deal? Well, no, not necessarily. We'll see in May. Yeah, they just kept punting that down there. You don't – this is the quarterback. This isn't a safety. This isn't, you know, a tight end. This is your quarterback. This is the guy who's supposed to lead your franchise, and they wouldn't commit that fifth-year option. To me, to me, that was huge and very telling, and, and, and it, it, it continues to be because there, were, there weren't going to be workouts before the fifth-year option was due. The only thing that was coming was the draft and free agency. So the fact that they left that open was, was huge. But I don't want to spend the whole time on Foles and Trubisky. Let's, let's get to some other things here. Let's start with um, – with Robert Quinn, you know, the Leonard Floyd being let go. Quinn comes in. Obviously, it's a big upgrade on, on the pass rush. Quinn's more of a hand-in-the-dirt kind of guy, so maybe that, that says that Pagano might be doing something a little different. What are your thoughts on Quinn, the signing, and how are you going to fit into this defense? Let me tell you something about Robert Quinn and the overall signing for the Chicago Bears. This is one of the very few moves you can legitimately say the Bears not only upgraded – at a key position on the roster, so outside linebacker slash edge, 
but they also did so while slashing their costs significantly. I mean, here's a little detail from, again, Brad at Over the Cap on Track, And one thing that Brad mentioned is for this year, Robert Quinn's going to cost maybe $6.5 million against the cap space. Leonard Floyd would have costed $13.5. You have slashed your cost by more than half for this year and for several years moving forward. He's guaranteed $30 million out of his 70. The rest of them are incentives. It's, a, again, a very team-friendly contract. Um, I actually got to talk with one of the writers and editors for the Blogging the Boys website for the Cowboys, and they mentioned that Robert Quinn is one of the best football players on the field for the Cowboys last year. I mean, when he's paired with a legitimate elite pass rusher like DeMarcus Ware, he puts him some serious work. When you give Robert Quinn that top-tier pass rusher to you know, play football with, so in this case it'll be Cleo Mack, he produces. This is something that Leonard Floyd could never do in Chicago. For all the chances he got, for being gifted the opportunity of playing football with Khalil Mack and having those just – when I coach football at West Florida, we'll call opportunities like single one-on-one matchups with tight ends and tackles gifts from God. I mean, these were gifts from God being given to Leonard Floyd. He could not take advantage of it. In fact, his grand total production in terms of sacks alone last two years was just seven sacks. He had four in 2018, three – just last year, how many did Robert Quinn have last year alone? Over 11 sacks. And of course, people talk about him being this hand in the dirt, you know, hand in the dirt defensive end only. He's got the athleticism to play outside linebacker. He's got the twitchiness required. He's got the explosiveness required. He holds contained probably better than most edge players in the league. I mean, he's right up there with guys like, say, Khalil Mack or Demarcus Ware. When it comes to holding the edge and being able to beat one-on-one or even double-team matchups, and what he's going to provide Chuck Pagano is that versatile chess piece. So, yes, his preferred style rushing the passer is hand in the dirt, just like Khalil Mack. Chuck Pagano, as we saw last year, was willing to let his players decide, do you want to put your hand on the ground and rush, or do you want to do it from a two-point stance? He gave his players flexibility, and really – the biggest point about this whole defense for the Chicago Bears, you're not going to see them line up in the 3-4 base nearly as much as you think. Oh, it's a nickel. I mean, it's really nickel. I mean, in traditional nickel, you have four down linemen, a linebacker, and a pair of – well, or four down linemen, two linebackers, and then five defensive backs on the field. And that's how the Bears are set up to be at their best. You have your nickel, you have your mic and your will, and then you have your two outside linebackers – you have your defensive line on the field. And, I mean, that's just going to be the best set for the Bears to move forward. You have all this talent in the secondary, the linebacking core, the defensive line. You can run nickel as your base and have a lot of success out of it. So, and again, Robert Quinn has experience as a 3-4 player as well. He did play a little outside linebacker at Miami. Now, that wasn't his best season, but then again, Miami that year just had some of the worst coaching period. So you look at Robert Quinn as a, as a fit for the Chicago Bears. Not only is he a good fit, he's the, really the ideal player you want to pair with Khalil Mack. He's going to bring so much aggressiveness, tenacity, this relentless pursuit to the football to really pair with Khalil Mack. It's just going to be really fun to watch moving forward. 
Yeah, look, I, I think it's a, I think it was a great idea, and and the the cap hit again is great. The fact that they're basically getting, you know, Quinn Foles and even like Artie Burns for the same thing that Leonard Floyd would have cost shows shows you what kind of a how well they maneuvered the cap and what they were able to do with these contracts. And look, I think Leonard Floyd gets a bad rap in Chicago. I think Leonard Floyd is a good football player. The problem is Leonard Floyd was brought here to be a pass rusher, and that's not how he developed. He developed in the, you know, an outside linebacker, not an edge player. You know, they're, they're two, in essence, different, different people. But the idea is the Bears pass rush was really hurting last year. It was not the same. I know Akeem Hicks was, was a major loss there for, for in, in that regard. But for this defense to be special, and it was very good last year, but for the defense to be special, they have to get to the, they have to get to the quarterback, and they made the move this year. And like you said, nickel with Hicks and Goldman in the middle, you can, you know, throw in Nichols and, 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 you know, Roy Robertson Harris or whatever, how you like, but, and then Mack and Quinn on the outside, Roquan and Trevathan in the middle, and then the five, five defensive backs, that's going to be their, their, their bread and butter. That's going to be how they're going to succeed. So let's jump back to the secondary here because, you know, we've got right now an interesting situation opposite Eddie Jackson at safety and an interesting situation opposite Kyle Fuller at corner. Do you see them addressing either of those positions potentially early in the draft with one of those two second round picks, or do you see maybe them still going after a veteran a month or two from now, like a Tony Jefferson at safety or something like that? Or do you think they're settling with Dion Bush and maybe an open competition opposite Kyle Fuller? What, what do you think they're going to do with the secondary at this point? I tell you what, I would love to see Tony Jefferson in a Bears uniform next year. I mean, we've already been recruiting him pretty hard, so it'll be really nice to see him in a Bears jersey next year. Uh, with that being said, I really think it's going to come down to the draft. What does Ryan Pace do in the draft? Because this year is exceptionally deep at defensive back. Really good class for safeties, really good class for corners as well. Uh, they have two picks in the second round. Is it out of is it out of the realm of possibility the Bears use their two second round picks and defensive backs? It's not outside of that realm. I feel if the board set itself up to where you have guys like Grant Delpit, C.J. Henderson, or even like uh, Trayvon Diggs in the second round at both picks, take your shot with both those players. Um, I do feel safety is a more likely pick for the draft in the Chicago Bears list of needs as opposed to corner, because one thing I do want to note, they did spend a little bit more of a priority signing veterans to corner than they did with safeties. I mean, they've got one guy from the Canadian Football League to the biggest contract signed to any Canadian football player coming out of the league since Cameron Wake. I think it was like Trey Roberson. Was Trey Roberson, yep. And the guy was a pretty good football player for the K football league. Now that's a whole different style of football. We've already learned from the Mark Tresman experience. Don't throw your <laughs> football league guy, but I mean, he did look pretty good to the eyeball test. We'll see how he holds up the NFL. Um, I think they'll draft their next starter at safety. And then I think they may draft a competitor at corner or they may just let the competition play itself out between Artie Burns, Trey Robertson and all the oh, other. Yep and all those guys that they just brought in. Um, but again, don't be surprised if the Bears do draft two starters in the secondary because that's just how good this draft is for defensive backs along with several other positions. It's, to me, the best 
draft class in terms of overall talent since probably 2011, 2012. So there's, there's endless possibilities, and that's a really good question to think about moving forward. Yeah, and, and to me, I, I can't see them going for another veteran corner. I think they, if, if the draft breaks where there's a corner available that they like, I think they're going to move on that corner. Safety, I could still see them signing a veteran post-draft. You know, see if something breaks and, and they end up going safety in round two. Maybe someone falls that they really like. But if it doesn't work out, then maybe go for safety. I just can't see them just going only Dion Bush and saying, Dion Bush is the guy at safety. He's okay. He's not terrible, but he's certainly not a guy that you can rely on. So, uh, you know, for 16 games for sure. So I, I think there's still some questions to be answered there, but I don't think we're going to see any answers till the draft or after the draft. But, you know, I, I want to get a few more things in here with you. I know I've had John for a while. So let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball again. We got tight end, wide receiver, and, and the offensive line. So let's start at tight end since Jimmy Graham's there, Trey Burton. You know, we've got Harris in the mix. That They've revamped it a little bit here. Where do you think the tight end situation is compared to where it was a year ago? Uh, okay. So the Jimmy Graham we're getting is a washed-up version. Let's just be real here. And, of course, people, when you see the ground, would be shocked me to say that because I'm Optimus Prime over there. I'm Optimus <laughs> everything. Uh, Jimmy Graham is not the same football player that he was, but I want to give a shout-out to Josh Woods, uh, one of the fellow – writers from all across the web. He's really good at what he does in terms of statistics. And he brought up Jimmy Graham, even at his current state, he was still at least middle tier, if not higher tier amongst tight ends in a league in terms of separation, in terms of yards after the catch, missed tackles. Um, he's going to still be the top tight end in the Bears locker room by a long shot. I mean, that's not saying much, but – He's right now a top dog. I'm not going to be shocked. In fact, I'll be very disappointed if the Bears don't draft a tight end. I just think there are too many good players, a tight end available this year to not pick one. Now, granted, I understand tight ends traditionally don't have the best first year. They don't really have good careers at their rookie season. But in a long-term sense, they have to grab a tight end in the draft. I just don't see any other way for them to – fix their problems long-term, especially if Matt Nagy is the head coach long-term. If he keeps his job, he's going to need tight ends to develop because there's just no way that Trey Burton and Jimmy Graham stay in the roster before this year. I just, I strongly suspect that Trey Burton's going to get cut. I remember Brad Biggs mentioned it a few times because I just don't see two $8 million a year players at tight end on any NFL roster, let alone the Chicago Bears. So I think there's still a lot of questions and a lot of possibilities for that position. I don't think it's anywhere close to being finalized. Uh, a good number of these players, which they have like 10 guys at tight end right now, for crying out loud, probably only three or four, well, we'll go with four, are going to be kept, including any possible draft picks. So I don't, I don't think we're anywhere close to seeing the final product at tight end. Yeah, I'm with you a lot on the tight end position. I do think there's a chance Burton and Graham are going to be on the roster this year because I just yeah, – obviously they're not going to cut Graham. Burton, I, they give they can give themselves a couple million dollars of cap relief, not a ton. And, and I think they know how important the tight end position is. So it's almost – to me, it's Trubisky Foles. Put both those guys out there and see what you can get out of one of them. And I think there's zero chance they're both on the roster in 2021. 
but I do think there's a chance they're both on the roster this year because we know the tight end position is critical. You know, hopefully they don't, you know, just telegraph plays. And when Harris is in, they run. And when he's not in, they pass. You know, hopefully now he's a little smarter with, with, with how he's designing that. But, but I think you're right. I think they do need to draft a tight end because Graham and Burton are not the future tight end position. Let's assume Nagy continues to stay here. You know, let's not assume things fall apart and, and, and they have to restart. If Nagy is the, the, the coach, we need a quality tight end as a member of the Chicago Bears. So, you know, where do you look? You say if Graham and Burton are the long-term answers and tight ends don't do well as rookies, get the tight end in here now and start that development process because I mean, look what happened. You know, we knew Shaheen was going to be a couple, three years in terms of her project. And then when now we turn around and go, he's useless. So, you know, you, you, you need to be prepared to that a tight end may not develop into what you need. So I think a hundred percent, it doesn't have to be in round two, you know, but you know, they have to take a tight end at some point in this draft. I think it's important. And, and honestly, I'll say this too. I think it's important for them to draft a wide receiver. And I wouldn't be opposed if they draft a wide receiver in round two, because I know Ridley didn't play much last year. I know some people really like whims, but at this position right now, I know Cohen's going to split out there sometimes at a wide out as well at the wide receiver position. I think Anthony Miller's in, in position to have a really good season. He really looked good in a lot of games the second half of the year. Obviously, Allen Robinson is a stud. I really think they're going to get a contract extension done with him soon. But after Robinson and Miller, I don't trust this wide receiver core. Yeah, this just this year is again. It's too good to pass up the opportunity of drafting a receiver because this is by far the fastest receiving draft class I've ever seen in terms. And of they need a deep threat. They need a deep threat because they decided to cut Taylor Gabriel, and he was the speed threat in the Met Nagy offense. You know, in Philadelphia, Kansas City, Chicago, all three of those teams have some sense of speed to take account for when you're trying to play defense against them. The Bears don't have that threat right now. I highly suspect they're going to draft one, especially worth considering that Bill Lazor, the offense coordinator for the Chicago Bears, last year he served as a volunteer assistant and a consultant for Penn State. And Penn State just so happens to have a speedster of their own. I think it was K.J. Himmler. Yep. And they've got a lot of fast receivers coming to this draft. So it could happen around two. I think uh, to me, an ideal situation would be the first pick would be the best defensive back on the board. Like someone like maybe a Grant Delpit or if CJ Henderson falls that far, get him. And then the second pick in the second round, difference maker receiver, you know, big time vertical threat to really complement what we have in Chicago because Anthony Miller, he's quick, he's not fast. Al Robinson, he's big, he's just a legit stud, but he's not going to take the top off of defense. You need somebody to really stretch that field vertically, you know, a Deshaun Jackson type role or a, you know, so many other fast receivers. I mean, Kansas City and Philadelphia have had so many fast guys and receivers, ridiculous. All under Andy Reid, all under Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy as well. Just they've always have to have some sort of speed for that offense to work, and they actually I would I would be shocked if they don't add another veteran too. I mean I was I can see them still adding a veteran, and then drafting a player pretty high. Of course, again it depends what happens in the draft. Yeah, I, I think 
I think there's a lot of different ways the Bears could go in the second round. I think they could absolutely take a – first of all, I could see them trading back and trying to pick up – even trading back a couple times, trying to pick up a third, fourth-round pick along the way. I don't think that's a bad idea. But if assuming they don't trade back, a safety, I have no problem with that pick. A corner, no problem with that pick. Wide receiver, no problem with that pick. Tight end, I'd be potentially okay there depending on who, who, who would be available at those picks. And the other, obviously, I wouldn't have a problem if they went offensive line, whether that be tackle or, or someone on the interior. And let's use that to jump off on the offensive line. They struggled a lot last year, especially in the run game. I don't think the pass protection was as bad as people made it out to be, but it certainly wasn't great. So when you look at this offensive line and see at this point how little they've addressed it, where are you with the offensive line? I think they're really making a big bet on the change of coaching. So one big thing I noted when both – uh, the offensive coordinator for the Bears last year and their offensive line coach let go. It was revealed that they were both run game coordinators, and it was kind of like passing the buck to the blame on the guys they fired for the failure that was the run game because not once did that offensive from top to bottom look coordinated. It's just it was a big mess in terms of blocking me. You had one coach coming in where they were more of a zone protection scheme. Then you had the other one, which was more of a, you know, a man-on-man scheme. And it was just incredible seeing how big of a mess it was in terms of coaching on the offensive line. Now, granted, I mean, you had some incredible coaches along the offensive line, but it's just – it looked like a giant mess overall. And you just – everybody had to be let go in that regard. Um, I will say this, though. It's a little curious that – they just signed a player to a kind of like a minimum, like a minimum contract, and that's it. And you have so many quality players in the draft that could be, you know, plug and play guys at guard. But perhaps the Bears are going to make a big surprise and get a veteran like Kaliki Ozamal, who is still a free agent, who would make a lot of sense for the Bears. And it just, I would really think that it's a great fit if they go that route. But again, they could just draft a guy, let him compete with all the players they currently have and just see what the best, you know, five offensive linemen really are. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they could still still do some kind of maneuver in there. The, I do, I do, I am confident in saying that the final eight, nine offensive linemen that make this roster are not all currently on the roster, whether that be the draft, whether they still sign someone late. I mean, they still have a little cap space left to do something, whether they sign a safety or potentially an offensive lineman. And if they extend Allen Robinson, they can create some more space there as well. So the bears, because of these creative picks or create creative contracts, I should say, they, they've left themselves some maneuverability here to maybe sign a couple more veterans down the line, especially if they, if they extend Allen Robinson, which I think most people are expecting is going to happen. So let me finalize – let me ask you this for the final question. Put quarterback aside, what are – two things. What is your biggest concern about this team right now? Again, quarterback doesn't count. And what is your – where are you most confident with this team right now? My biggest concern right now is just the overall talent around the quarterback position. I mean, you've got – a really good pair of receiver, Al Robinson and Anthony Miller. Hardly any depth after that. Same thing offensive line. You have, a, you know, you have four out of the five positions figured out, but the right guard position is still a big question mark. And again, not a lot of depth after that. Running back, I mean, I expect David Montgomery to take a big role in 2020. I mean, finally give him a chance to make himself a football player, finally give him the ball 
consistently. But again, there's a lot of questions behind David Montgomery too. Does Cordero Patterson get a role in this offense? Does he have a big role moving forward? What about Tariq Cohen? Is Tariq Cohen going to get phased out next year? Or is he still going to be a big factor in this offense? That's just my overall top concern is just the lack of depth on offense. You have a lot of you have a lot of quality starters, but the guys behind them really scare me. And the thing I'm most confident with by far the front seven for the Bears defense. They've lost some depth in inside linebacker, but overall, just the front seven is still going to be one of the nastiest groups we have ever seen. Uh, I remember Robert Schmitz brought up Richard Dent's famous rule of three, so have three big-time pass rushers in order to achieve great success on defense. The Bears have that. Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, and Hakeem Hicks. And they have a really good pair of inside linebacker. And then let's not forget about Eddie Jackson, the secondary, Kyle Fuller. Long-term stability is there for defense, not so much an offense. Yeah, somehow, someway, even with Matt Nagy at the helm, we've got ourselves back in a traditional Bears situation with a really good defense and a lot of questions on offense. (laughs) There it is. All right, there he is, Eric Durwachter, Windy City Gridiron contributor. Uh, Thanks for coming on, Eric. Really appreciate it. Good conversation. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Bill. Have a good one. All right, there he is, Eric Durwachter from Windy City Gridiron. And I should give his Twitter a plug. It's at E Durwachter. Now, you're going to have to get out a pen and paper here. This is not this is not a simple spelling. So at E-D-U-E-R-R-W-A-C-H-T-E-R. No, I'm not going to repeat it. You'll have to rewind the podcast 15 seconds. So follow him on Twitter. Uh, again, really good insight there from Eric. And again, he... he he echoes a lot of what I think about this team. They got a great front seven, couple questions in the secondary, offensive line. You know, we'll see how they address it. But yeah, they don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver. They got questions at tight end. So we're gonna see where this team is here. You know, they, you know, this draft is gonna be interesting. See how they handle this second round. Do they trade back? Do they take two guys that they plan on just locking in as starters this season? Because there are there are some holes here where you could draft an offensive lineman and he starts immediately you could draft a safety or potentially a corner and they start immediately so interesting situation here this draft coming up in a couple weeks is going to be something to watch for bears fans i know there's no first round pick but those two second round picks are important for ryan pace Matt Nagy, and this 2020 roster. So that's going to do it for Bears Banter. We will return with a draft preview in the near future. So look for that. We will talk to you again soon, everybody. Bear down. Adios. Adios.